All right, um, <clears throat> I appreciate you uh, being in faith with me tonight, a uh, little hoarse, uh, but that's all right, we're going to get through the class, get through uh, the sermon tonight, and, uh, and that's our confession, that's what we're believing for, amen? All right, let's, uh, let's pray and we'll get started. Father, thank you for your love, thank you for this time together this evening, thank you Father for the opportunity that um, is before us. Father, we know that there are others who would like to be here, but for different reasons, Lord, they're not able to be. Um, but so, Father, we say thank you, and forgive us if we've ever taken uh, any of your good things in our lives for granted. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us, Lord, uh, lay hold of your truth tonight, uh, what you have uh, to uh, give to us from your word and from your Holy Spirit. Father, we're here uh, eagerly uh, awaiting uh, and ready to receive. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives, but also, Father, thank you for what you're going to do in the lives of other people as we become more equipped to do what you've called and created us to do. Father, I bless these men and women tonight. I thank you, Lord, for a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you. I thank you, Father, that you're going to help us lay hold of some things tonight that are, that are beyond us, um, but they're not beyond you. And so you're going to stretch us tonight, Father, and help us grow. We thank you for that, Father. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. All right, so um, class number 24, and um, we've been uh, answering a few questions here. And uh, let's just kind of cut to the chase on some of these instead of a, a longer review. We're asking this question, what is man? And the first thing we looked at is we said that man was a God class being. Then we looked at, in the Word of God, where we see man as a spirit being. More to come on that in the days ahead. Number three, man is the legal authority on earth. Man is the legal authority on earth. That's important for us to understand for a lot of reasons, and being able to pray effectively and even understanding what prayer is, is about and why uh, prayer is even a thing, right, is uh, really dependent upon understanding who you are in the eyes of God and the role that you play in His kingdom coming and His will being done on earth as it is in heaven. Fourth thing we looked at is man is a being created in the image and likeness of God. And we've referred to that particular passage in Genesis 1 many times throughout our study. This time we revisited it to look specifically at characteristics, attributes, abilities that you possess because you were created in the image and likeness of God. In other words, there are things that you can do that no other created thing can do. And for that matter, no one else can do other than God. Amen. Created in the image and likeness of God means you were created to look like God looks and created to function the way He functions. So to look the way God looks and to function the way He functions. And so we said that these characteristics were both dynamic and interactive. Interactive in the sense that they, they compound upon and, and amplify one another. Dynamic in the sense that they're always working. But one of the key factors in that, uh, key elements in that uh, di- definition for dynamic is that it's, uh, by means of definition, it's an underlying cause of change. An underlying cause of change. So if we ignore the underlying causes of change, right? We'll never change. <laughs> In other words, the things that, that are, you know, supporting and coming underneath and providing foundation for change, 
if those things never change, then our lives will never change. Remember, Paul said he thought as a child, he understood as a child, he spoke like a child, but when he became a man, he put away childish things. So, it's impossible for us to live in a way opposite to the way we think, understand, and speak. Okay, If you think like a child, understand like a child, speak like a child, it's going to be impossible for you to live like an adult. And so, this is what we mean by these underlying causes of change. So, the list is, um, we just looked at five, there's others that we could go maybe into, but I'm just trying to give you a good understanding of this. So we said that man is a being with the ability to think, reason, and form opinions. And of course we know that Father God has that capacity. He created you and me with that capacity. And of course this is where we get our ability to make our own choices, free will, these sorts of things. Man is a being with the ability to agree. Man is a, bi- a being with the ability to believe. To believe. Man is a being with the ability to experience and express emotions. And then, number five, man is a being with the ability to speak. Okay? Now, I do believe there's some order to these things. Uh, Obviously, uh, you know, our emotions affect our thoughts and vice versa. um, But, again, thinking, reasoning, forming opinions leads to agreements, which leads to beliefs, which um, influence and even produce our emotions. Uh, And then that basically... Uh, the point of the spear, if you will, uh, the action uh, point of all of this uh, is first initiated in our lives through this thing called words. Okay? Now, <clears throat> let's, um, let's just remind you and me of a few things. Um, Father God created us in His image, in His likeness. We have these abilities, these uh, uh, attributes, characteristics, um, and they were meant to serve us, never rule us. But we have to remember that these things can be your best friend or they can be your worst enemy. And last week we looked at this whole idea of the power of our words. And the scripture is very clear about these things. That the words of our mouths um, are not only powerful, but to the extent that death and life hinges on the power of what comes out of your mouth. Okay? Remember, as a man thinks, so is he. If two agree on earth concerning anything, it will be done of their Father in heaven. All things are possible to him who believes. So are you, are you seeing how you know, powerful and influential uh, these things are in our lives? Now, I'm, I'm tempted, but I'm not going to do it, uh, to go back into James and really go back through all that again because there's some really important stuff there. But what we learned last week is that the words of our mouths are compared to a bit in the mouth of a horse. They're compi- compared to a rudder um, on the underside, underneath of a, of, a, of a large ship. And those things, at first glance, seem to be unrelated, but we see that there are many comparisons uh, between the bit and the rudder. Uh, both are used... Um, <coughs> for directing or changing the course of something that is very large in comparison to the size of the bit or the rudder. We see also that both of those alter or change the course, direct the course of either the horse or the ship by applying pressure. Okay? 
And so he goes on to say that the words of your mouth chart the course that your life follows. The words that come out of your mouth chart the course that your life follows. So back to this underlying cause uh, of change, um, this idea that it's always producing a result being dynamic uh, in nature. Um, we see then that if the course of our life is ever going to change, what we're saying is going to have to change. Um, if you keep saying what you're saying now, you're going to keep on the same path, the same course of life um, that you've been on. As a matter of fact, where you are, where I am tonight, is directly connected to the words that we have spoken up until this point. Um, in the book, Becoming a Threat to Addiction, we talk about it's, it's like the words that you speak are laying down railroad tracks. Okay? And, and of course, a train is, is pretty much, uh, obviously if that train comes off the tracks, we've got big problems, right? Um, it's, a train's not like a car. A car you can steer and go off-road and whatever. A train's locked into the tracks. And so the words that come out of your mouth are laying down the tracks that uh, literally are compelling you forward in that, in that pathway. And this is why the enemy tries so hard to get you to say all kinds of negative things about yourself. It's why he tries so hard to get you to curse yourself. And I don't just mean using four-letter words. He wants you to talk about how stupid you are and how you never get anything right and how you're such a, uh, you know, this and that. Again, <clears throat> he's trying to get you to turn the power of your words against yourself. Do not, please, do not give him the satisfaction. Do not do that to yourself, all right? Now, we're fixing to step it up a notch in discipleship class, Okay. And, um, and when I say step it up a notch, we're, we're going we're gonna, to um, we're gonna get over into some things, uh, at least for the first part of the class tonight, that are, uh, they're, they're pretty intense, okay? They're pretty steep. And um, I just want you, you know, to relax. Um, relax in the sense of, of, you know, don't go to sleep. That's not what I mean by relax. But if some of this and some of these things are a little different maybe from what you've heard or maybe some things you've never heard before, okay? Um, nobody, in, including the Holy Spirit, is going to force you to do anything tonight, okay? Um, but there, there are some levels and layers to this um, that we really need to look at and understand. Um, James said that the tongue... Uh, of mankind had, you know, our tongues had been set on fire with the fires of hell. And we, of course, see that the Holy Spirit came wanting us to surrender to Him so that He could set our tongues on fire with the fires of heaven. Right? He said, He went on to say, How great a matter a little fire kindles. Um, some of us were talking about revival before we started recording and, and, and the start of the class tonight. And, and one of the ways that even that we can understand revival is, is, the, is the fires of the Spirit burning and, and it not being just contained within the four walls of the church, but, but, the, but the fire of God's Spirit and, and the fire of, of His cleansing and purging um, extending beyond um, the, the four walls of the church would be another way to think of and understand um, revival. Okay, Now, <clears throat> so we're going we're gonna to continue to talk about the power of our words for a little while. 
but we're going next level, okay? We're going next level. And, um, and I, I pray that, uh, again, I prayed this afternoon, we prayed before uh, we started tonight, that uh, these things will really uh, help you see things maybe in a way you've never seen or understood them before, all right? Now, we've made this statement before, but let's go ahead and make it again. We were created by God to function the way He functions, okay? We were created by God to function the way He functions, this is not something we have to do, it's something we get to do. In other words, this is, this is a privilege. <laughs> you, you know, this is like, um, you know, amazing that Father God would include us and create, create us in such a way as to function the way He functions. Now, when we say function the way He functions, I want to break that down a little further for you tonight. And we could say it this way, defining the word function, we were created by God to work and operate in the particular way he works and operates. That's the definition of the word function inserted into this statement. Function is speaking of the particular way a thing works and or operates. The particular way a thing works or operates. Okay, so, you know, different machines, uh, you know, an air compressor functions differently from, uh, you know, another, you know, a, a stand mixer or what have you. So we talk about the way something functions is we're talking about the particular way it works and operates or the particular way that it produces the result that it produces. You, your stand mixer is not going to produce the same result as the air compressor, all right? And I don't know where those two came from, just off the top of my head, all right? So we were created by God to work and operate in the particular way He works and operates. I want to say that about six or seven more times, okay? Because it's really, really important. And, and the enemy never wants you to understand this. He wants you to think that, that all that's off limits for you. Um, and this is how God does things, but, you know, poor pitiful old us, you know, we've we got to try to find another way. No, 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 no. You were created by God to look like He looks and to function the way He functions. You were created by God to work and operate in the particular way He works and operates. All right? Now, when we talk about forming the substance of something, I know, again, we just took another big step up, all right? We talk about forming the substance of something, also known as producing or creating something, all right? How did God operate? How, how, how does He work? In other words, if Father God is wanting to produce the substance of something, he does what? He speaks, right? He speaks that thing into existence. He calls things that be not as though they were. He declares the end of a thing from the beginning, the outcome from the get-go, as I like to say. Are you following me? He declares a thing, and it is established. This is... Am I right about it? This is how God functions. This is how He works. This is how He operates. This is how He gets things done. And we were created by God to get things done the way He gets things done. Amen. Which means we were created by God to produce results, to bring things into existence, to literally form the substance of things in our physical reality by using the words of our mouths. 
by using the words of our mouths. Now remember, God did not... Yes, sister. Well, let me tell you what I was about to say. Okay, <laughs> I was about to say people say God created the world out of nothing, and, and that's not what it says. It says that everything we can see came from substance that we cannot see. So we were talking about this a little bit in class this morning. Um, God is light, but our physical eyes can only see a very limited spectrum of light and there is uh, light on the other side of red called infrared and there's light on the other side of violet called ultraviolet and if you remember the the prophet asked God to open the eyes of his servants so servant so that he could see and when he opened his eyes he could see angels and chariots surrounding the army that had come to try to take the prophet now those angels and chariots were there the whole time it's just they were on the other side of the light that we can see. So when we talk about physical material things, okay, we see that, that God brought those things into existence from a spiritual realm and substance right, that, that we cannot see. So I don't know if that helps answer your question or not, but um, when we talk about forming the substance of things, Remember, God's words are spirit and life. His, the entrance of His Word brings light, the Bible says. And so, and we reminded us, you know, last week we, where He talked about the mighty um, Word of His power, where His words become the, the conduit, the pipeline through which His power is directed into a situation. So, Jesus said, speak to the mountain. You follow what I'm saying? He told you and me to do that. To, Jesus spoke to fig trees, Jesus spoke to mountains, Jesus spoke to fevers, Jesus spoke to demons, Jesus spoke to storms, Jesus spoke to, 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 to waves, just on and on and on. Um, anything that threatened Him or His people or, or, or these kinds of things, again, He spoke, right? And, and this, of course, brought the power of God into uh, that situation. Amen. So, let, let's, let's, let me... Because you're on to something there. So let me, let me just keep going because that's some of the things we're going to uh, dig into tonight. And I'm asking again, open hearts, open minds. Let the Holy Spirit help you. Um, let Him stretch you. Uh, let Him show you some things tonight that you'll never see with your physical eyes, but that you can absolutely understand with your heart. Amen? Alright, let's go, first of all, to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, and we'll begin at verse number 1. Yes, ma'am. Um, well, yes, ma'am, you know, that and, and other places as well. Um, even, even before that, Jesus... Jesus says, Father, thank you for these men that you've given me. Thank you that they believed every word I've ever spoken. Thank you that they know who I am. You know, and I'm like, is, is he talking about the same disciples that I know? You know but again, he's, he's calling things that be not as though they are. He's not, he's not responding to what he sees with his physical eyes. He's responding to what he knows 
right, to be true about them uh, as far as the potential that Father God has, you know, invested in them. So, obviously, setting us apart and, and, and all of those things uh, certainly fits. And there's, there's a lot of stuff that, that, that would fit uh, in there. So, praise God. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 um, and verse number 1. It says, Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was... Christ. Okay, now, clearly, <clears throat> he's referring to God bringing his people out of slavery in Egypt and him feeding them in the wilderness and also providing uh, water for them to drink. This particular passage is, in my opinion, a, a landmark passage, a a, a standalone, unique passage, standalone in the sense that it does something and presents something to us in a way, uh, you know, more concise, more clearly than we see in other places. I'm not saying that nothing else in the Bible like it. Obviously, there is, but I'm talking about how this is presented to us. All right, and so let's let's look at it again very carefully. Just let's clean up some of this stuff in case you're not sure what he's talking about here. Um, all our fathers were under the cloud; all passed through the sea. This is, of course, when God parted the waters, and they went through on dry, dry ground. All were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. All right, The cloud, remember, it was, a, it was cloud by day. It gets hot in the desert. God, you know, Father was a cloud over them, sh- sheltering them, protecting them. And, but also, they followed that cloud. That cloud was guiding and directing them. Um, and then, fire by night. It gets cold in the desert at night. And so, at night, it would, and, and it gets kind of scary, right? Dark, whatever. So, you know, flaming fire, illuminated them, kept them warm, kept them protected, uh, but also the fire. Uh, they, they followed that pillar uh, of cloud, that pillar of fire. Okay? And then when it says they were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, um, again, I'll mention this briefly, uh, coming to a discipleship class uh, near you soon. We're going to talk more about baptism and what it really is. This doesn't mean that they... Uh, were all like immersed underwater in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and raised back up. Because it doesn't say they were baptized into the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It says they were baptized into Moses. And what he's talking about here is that they all had an experience with Moses, of which Moses was the leader, that marked them forever. That, that, that impacted them and identified them from that point forward. Okay? So baptized into Moses, in the cloud, and in the sea. Now, Verses 3 and 4 are the ones that I really want us to look at for our purposes tonight. Right? It says that they all ate the same spiritual food. This, of course, is referring to the manna. And all drank the same spiritual drink. This is, of course, referring to the water, but he further uh, uh, expounds on this that the water that came from the rock actually was coming from that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. It was a type and a shadow of the Christ who was to come. Now, I think it is, again, of great interest and importance 
that he identifies the food that they ate as being spiritual food. The food that they ate, he says, was spiritual food. And the water that they drank, he says, was spiritual drink. Spiritual food, spiritual drink. Now, why am I making such a big deal? or Why are we emphasizing this so much? Well, the food was food that they actually could pick up off the ground. The Bible describes it this way. It was food that they could hold in their hand. It was food that they could put in a sack. Most importantly, it was food they could put in their mouth, chew up, swallow, and that food would not only satisfy their hunger, but it would nourish their physical bodies. Okay? And so this was um, food that had physical matter. It, it, was, it, was, you know, it, it, had, you know, it was material in the sense that it was something that could be touched and, and tasted and felt and, and smelt and, and what have you. All right, But the Bible says that it wasn't physical food, it was spiritual food. Now the same is true with the water. The water, you know, you could put it in a cup, you could drink it, it would quench your thirst. It wasn't imaginary, it wasn't invisible or any of those other things. But the key, the key here is that while it quenched their physical thirst and satisfied their physical hunger, it did not originate from a physical source. It, it came out of heaven. It came from the realm of the Spirit. Are you seeing this now? This was something that had crossed over from the Spirit realm into the physical realm. But it, did, it wasn't... Let me see, let's see if we can say it this way. They didn't dig a well to get the water. They didn't plant uh, any seed... Uh, you know, grow any crops, churn any uh, goat's milk. You know, there's, the source of this food was none other than the spirit realm itself, but yet it had physical substance to it. And by physical substance, I mean it, 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 was, it could be touched, it could be chewed, it could be swallowed. All right? Yes? All right. So notice, again, what we have here is, is something laying on the ground that they could see, pick up, and eat that came out of heaven. Amen. Wow. Alright? So do you see why I'm saying this, this, is, this is some unique stuff right here? Now, when we talk about receiving from God, we talk about you know, healing or uh, our needs being met or, or, or what have you, um, this gives us an understanding, it gives us a glimpse into um, our ability to receive things from the realm of the Spirit that once they pass through that um, light barrier, if you will, and break into the realm of the physical, there, it's money you can spend, it's food you can eat, it's clothes you can wear, right? But it didn't have a physical source it had as its source the realm of the Spirit. It came out of the realm of the Spirit into the realm of the physical. In other words, this, this is not... Uh, it's unique in how it's, it's written here. Again, the Holy Spirit's a genius because He, he provided these, uh, these verses for us in the Word so that we could, we could see these things. Right? In other words, let, how, about, how about this? Throw your net on the other side. The waters were clear. That's why they fished at night. The nets would spook the fish. Those men could look in that water and they, they, there were no fish. 
right? And they're like, okay, Jesus, whatever you say, dude, but we've been fishing all night. There ain't no fish here. They threw the, they threw the nets over, and now they have fish that, that they can't, right? I believe, you don't have to believe it to go to heaven. I believe those fish came out of the realm of the Spirit. I, I believe it was supernatural. Amen. Are you following what I'm saying here? Okay, now, let's keep this in mind. We're going to build on it. Matthew chapter 12. Matthew the 12th chapter. Let's go there now. Praise God. Matthew the 12th chapter. Yes, sir. All right. Amen. There you go. Holy Spirit's got right here with us. Amen. All right. Matthew chapter 12. Now, look at me for a moment, okay? I'll look at the camera too, all right? Look at me for a moment. It's going to sound like we're shifting gears. We are not, we're not changing subjects. We're not, okay? But we, we've talked about um, 1 Corinthians 10. Don't forget 1 Corinthians 10. Now, we're going over into Matthew 12, all right? And this is what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 12, beginning at verse number 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Okay? So that's Matthew 12, 34. It's a, you know, one way to remember the address, the location of that verse is 1, 2, 3, 4, Matthew 12, 34. Okay? And Matthew 12, 34, among other things, says, Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. Pastor Bill Winston says it this way. If you squeeze a ketchup bottle... Ketchup's coming out. And whatever is in you in abundance is going to come out of you when this world tries to squeeze you. Okay? This is why we have to follow the instructions of the Scriptures and hide the Word of God in our hearts. So that when pressure is applied to us, cursing doesn't come out of us, but blessing comes out of us. Rage and anger and bitterness doesn't come out of us, but, but love and peace and mercy right, come out of us. So whatever's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth in the form of words, right? Now, let's keep reading. Verse number 35. Jesus said, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words, for by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Man, how powerful are our words. Again, by your words you'll be justified. By your words you'll be condemned. Okay? Now, let's go back up to verse 
Number 35. Jesus said in 34, what's in your heart in abundance is going to come out of your mouth. Why is that such a big deal? Well, because of what He revealed to us in verse 35. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth good things. Okay? Now, this is where I'm asking you to keep an open heart and open mind. Because a lot of people hear this and they simply think it means that a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, is going to say good things. That's not what this is saying. It says that a good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, is going to bring forth good things. Things. Okay? Do you understand things? We're talking about objects. We're talking about Food. We're talking about water. We're talking about... Are, are you understand what I'm saying here? We're talking about things that are in you, coming forth from you, by the words that you speak. The things... That, come on now. Stay with me. Please, stay with me. A good man out of the good treasure. Let's back up. Let's, let's, we're going to make another run at this. All right? Make another run now. Let's back up. First of all, let's talk about out of the good treasure. This word is speaking of a deposit, um, a storehouse. Think the treasury. They would bring uh, gifts and things into the treasury, and that's where they would be deposited. That's where, that's where they would be held. He's saying that your heart is like that depository. It's like that treasury. Okay? And so, what you deposit into the treasury, what's in you, right, inside of you, he says that from a good treasure, you'll be able to use words and literally bring forth good things by the words that you speak. An evil man out of the evil treasure does just the opposite. He brings forth evil things. Now, we've talked about Corinthians now. We've talked about Matthew. Let's, let's build another layer here. Go with me now to Luke chapter 17. Luke chapter 17. Okay? So, <clears throat> For those of you keeping score, and maybe you want to ask me, but are a little, you know, like, not sure if you should ask him or not. If you're, if you're wanting to ask me, Pastor Mark, are you meaning to say that I can take things that are inside of me, deposited there by the Holy Spirit and the Word of God, and bring those things into substance and reality in my life by words? That's exactly what, that's exactly what I'm here to tell you the Bible is saying to us. Alright? Now, again, let's, let's dig a little deeper. Luke chapter 17 and verse number 20. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of, of God would come, he answered them and said, the kingdom of God does not come 
with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Alright? Hallelujah indeed. So Jesus' critics heard Him speak early and often about the kingdom. And they, of course, uh, made fun of Him about this and thought it was so silly and all this. And so they're like, hey, this kingdom you're talking about all the time, you know, when, when is it going to show up? And when Jesus says it doesn't come with observation, nor is He's saying that there's not going to be an inauguration. There's not going to be, in, in the sense of cutting a ribbon, in the sense of, you know, presenting it and having a big ceremony and maybe a parade or something. Jesus said it doesn't come with observation, nor will they say, see here or see there, because the kingdom of God, by the way, Luke 12 says it's Father's good pleasure to give to His children, to give to you and me His kingdom. And that kingdom that He's given to you and me is where? He says it's within you. The kingdom is inside of you. Do you see why I said we're going to be stretching tonight? The kingdom is inside of you. What is the kingdom? The kingdom is the realm of God. It's the reign of God. It's the resources of God. It's, 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 the, it's the rule of God. Amen. That kingdom now lives in you. You're not just in the kingdom. If you've been born again, you're not just in the kingdom. The kingdom is in you. You see, it's so sad to me because so many people have only been preached the gospel of salvation and they've never been preached the gospel of the kingdom. And because of that, they have this limited understanding based upon the gospel of salvation. They think that this whole Christian life is about getting into heaven one day when they die. When the Christian life is really about you becoming one with God, Him putting His kingdom in you, and Him having the ability to get His kingdom into the earth through you. Not about you getting to heaven. It's about heaven in you and heaven coming through you into the earth. So he said the kingdom of God is within you. Right? So we see that Everything Jesus did, He did as a man, right? Tapped into the resources of His Father's kingdom. Every miracle He produced, every demon He cast out. As a matter of fact, as we've pointed out once before, I'll remind you again, every miracle that we see in the life of Jesus, we see in the lives of the Old Testament prophets, raising the dead, multiplying food, um, healing blind people, so forth and so on, with one exception. In the Old Testament, the specially appointed and anointed prophets, right, they did not cast out demons. This is why Jesus said, if you see me casting out demons with the finger of God, it can only mean one thing, the kingdom of heaven is upon you. Right? So this was a unique sign of God's kingdom, realm, rule, reign, and resources right? Inside of Jesus, and Jesus bringing those resources, bringing that authority, bringing that rule, right? Out into this world for people to experience and enjoy real answers, real benefits, real results in their lives. They were all produced by the healing resources. Let's just say the healthcare resources, come on now, of our Father's kingdom. The financial resources of our Father's kingdom. Amen? Right? Father, take, take a little boy's lunch and feed thousands of people with it. Amen. That's, that's the kingdom at work. 
That's God's kingdom at work. Amen. So again, He said that kingdom is within you. If the kingdom is within you, how do we get the resources of the kingdom of God that's within us out of us in a, in a way that others can benefit? Well, remember, you were created to work and operate in the particular way that Father God works and operates. You were created to function the way He functions. And how did Father God function? He, fun- he functions by speaking. He functions by speaking. Whew. All right, Matthew um, 13. Praise God. I think I'm going to pull this out myself. I want to point something out to you here. Matthew um, chapter 13. Praise God. It's one of the... And they're all important. I, you know, it's just a super important passage. It contains the parable of the sower, which Jesus said was the parable of parables. And if we don't understand that parable, how will we understand any of the others? Okay? Now, what we see, of course, is that Jesus teaches the parable of the sower. Then He preaches and teaches the parable of the wheat and the tares. And if you'll, if you'll notice... In his explanation in verse 18, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom. So he's teaching them about kingdom here. In verse 24, when he gives the parable of the wheat and tares, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. Verse 31, parable of the mustard seed, another parable he put forth to them, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed. Verse 33, another parable he spoke to them, the kingdom of heaven is like leaven. Are you seeing this, right? So what is is he doing? I mean, he keeps going here. Verse 44, the parable of the hidden treasure, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. Verse 45, pearl of great price. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Verse 47, parable of the dragnet. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that was cast into the sea and gathered some of every kind. Now, um, let's count them. Uh, Parable of the sower is one. Wheat and tares, two. Mustard seed, three. Leaven, four. Um, Then he explains uh, the parable of the tares. Hidden treasure, five. Pearl of great price, six. Parable of the dragnet, seven. Alright? So Jesus went back to back to back to back to back to back to back. Seven parables in a row, all back to back. Amen? Teaching His disciples about the kingdom. Okay? Still with me? Now, at the end of this teaching, in verse 51, Jesus said to them, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes, Lord. Right? (laughs) Yes, Lord. And let's go get a cheeseburger. Right? And they were, it was, yeah, you know, they were like, man, that's a long sermon, Jesus. Okay. Jesus then said to them in verse 52, then he said to them, 
Therefore, every scribe instructed concerning the kingdom of heaven is like a householder who brings out of his treasure things new and old. Now, does that sound like something we just looked at a few minutes ago? Who brings out of his treasure? Who brings out of his treasure things new and old? Let me give you this same verse in the message translation or message paraphrase of the Bible. Verse 52. He said, Then you see how every student well trained in God's kingdom is like the owner of a general store who can put his hands on anything you need, old or new, exactly when you need it. What is he saying? He's saying if the kingdom is in you, and you understand the kingdom is in you, if the kingdom is in you and you understand the ways of the kingdom, if you understand that the kingdom is in you, and if you understand how the kingdom operates, and what the kingdom is like, and how to, how to operate in this authority, and in this kingdom that you are now in and is now in you, he says then you will be like the owner of a general store. You can put your hands on anything that anybody needs anytime they need it, old or new. Man. Getting quiet on me. I don't know if that's good or bad. All right? Am I losing you? Listen now, let's get something nailed down right now. We're not talking about somebody else tonight. We're talking about us. I'm talking about you. I'm talking about me. Okay? Is the kingdom in us? And is in that kingdom is is it is you know is there anything Father left out of His kingdom that somebody on this earth may need? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. All right. So He's saying then that we have the kingdom. We need to be trained in the kingdom and in how to tap into the kingdom to meet the needs of people here on planet earth. Amen? All right. If they need healing, you got it. If they, if they, you got it. Amen. Absolutely. All right. Okay. Now, Acts chapter two. Thank you, Jesus. The book of Acts chapter two. Amen. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. Mm-mm-mm. Yes. Absolutely. 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 Amen. All right. <clears throat> Acts chapter 2 and verse number 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven 
as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues, King James Version says cloven tongues, as of fire, and one set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Okay? So again, James said that the tongues of men had become set on fire with the fires of hell. We see that once these men and women were born again, that they now have become the temple of the very Spirit of God. And that as temples of the Spirit of God, men and women in whom the Spirit of God dwelt, amen, they now became candidates to receive this power from on high. Amen. That Jesus said, Father would give. Now, when the day of Pentecost, Pente means 50, okay? Jesus was crucified on Passover. And so, Pentecost is 50 days after Passover. So it's another um, feast day, holy day, day of celebration. Um, and remember, all of these were designed specifically by God for the, the parents and the elders to teach the history and the, and the wisdom and, and, and the power of God to their children. And it was on this day of Pentecost that what the prophet Joel said would one day happen was poured out, the Holy Spirit was poured out. Amen. And as a sign of that initial outpouring, every person present, and there was 120 of them, each of those men and women had a cloven tongue on fire sitting on top of their heads. Okay? Now, obviously... Father knows what He's doing, and, and I'm saying this a little kind of tongue-in-cheek, okay? Um, but if you're looking for a logo, a split-tongue burning, right? Wasn't trying to, you know, market or advertise. A cloven tongue of fire was significant. And if you understand something that was cloven from the Old Testament, the animals that were considered clean were the animals that had a cloven or a divided hoof. Okay? If they did not have the cloven hoof, they were forbidden to eat them. So cloven signified something that was purified, something that was considered by God to be clean. So it, it was a purified tongue on fire with the fires of, of God Himself resting upon the head of each of those men and women. Okay? Now, here is where we could spend, you know, a couple of weeks and, and still not cover it all. But what I want to encourage you tonight, if you have never heard this or had this explained to you, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit is for every born-again believer. 
The outpouring of the Holy Spirit with the initial physical evidence of speaking in an unknown tongue is available for every born-again believer. I was told growing up that it was not. I was told incorrectly. I was told that these things passed away with the apostles, that they needed this extra oomph from God to get the church off the ground, but now that we're up and sailing, that we can take it from here, that we don't really need these things anymore. How silly of a notion was that? Amen. Yes, sir. For you, for your children, for your children's children, and for as many as the Lord our God shall call. Yes, brother. So, if I could just kind of tweak the question a little bit. Yes, through the laying on of hands, but it's not that the person gives you the ability. The ability is given by God, but the person laying on hands is, is in essence, agreeing, stirring up. You know, the connection there that's being made. So it's a great question. Is it a spiritual gift? Yes, okay? But it is a spiritual gift for every born-again believer. All right, now, let me... Let me put the brakes on right here because I know that for some of you, we just kind of opened a can of worms. And, and this is why I asked you at the beginning, open heart, open mind. The enemy is so opposed to people understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit that it's almost a knee-jerk reaction for people to get defensive anytime it's brought up. In, uh, in a class or a sermon or in a conversation. And one of the first things the devil tries to, to tell people is something like this. He doesn't think you're spiritual because you don't speak in tongues. Or he don't think you're saved because you're not... You know. In other words, it's, the devil's such a liar. And please, 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 don't listen to or believe the lies that he may be trying to tell some of you in this room or some of you watching online right now. Okay? Now... If you've been born again, if you've received Jesus as your Savior, in that experience, your spirit, your old man, if you will, the Bible refers to, was buried in an unmarked grave and you were given a new spirit. And then your new spirit and God's Holy Spirit became one spirit. No man calls Him Lord but by the Holy Spirit. And when you're born again, when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit. As a matter of fact, um, a lot of these people in that upper room, when Jesus walked in after His resurrection, the Bible says He breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Okay? Well, that was when they were born again. What has to happen for somebody to be born again? They have to believe in their heart that Jesus is the Son of God and they have to confess with their mouth that God the Father has raised Him from the dead. They already believed He was the Son of God. Now they see Him raised from the dead. They believe He's raised from the dead. This is when they're born again. But Jesus says to a group of men and women who've already been born again, go wait in Jerusalem for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And of course, this is when the Holy Spirit was poured out upon the believers. Okay. Now, I like to, I like to say it this way. I know... That some people take issue with this, okay? And that's all right. You can take issue with it. 
Uh, it's, it's fine. I'm trying to help folks, though, not confuse. And I'm also trying to set some folks at ease. All right? I used to think that when a man or a woman received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, that they received more of the Holy Spirit than what somebody that's only born again uh, had. And that's, in my opinion, and I believe Scripture verifies it, is a wrong way of looking at it. Being baptized in the Holy Spirit is not about you as a born-again believer receiving more of the Holy Spirit. It's about the Holy Spirit receiving more of you. Where you surrender in a deeper way to Him and ultimately surrender the rudder of your life to Him. Right? I don't, I don't know the context of the whole song. I just, obviously like you, when it was popular, it was everywhere you went. But when, I believe it was Carrie Underwood saying, Jesus, take the wheel. Okay? Well, if you really want Jesus to take the wheel, right, we have to understand what the wheel is. The wheel is the tongue. And if you want Him to take the wheel, you've got to surrender your tongue to Him and let Him have control over it. Amen. Are you hearing me tonight? <laughs> Praise God. Alright. So, there appeared to them divided tongues of fire set upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak with other tongues, the Spirit gave them utterance. This is... One of the most important things I think, at least initially, someone can understand, especially if you have reservations about this. Okay, uh, brother asked if speaking in unknown tongues is a spiritual gift, and it absolutely is. But what we have to understand is that the Bible says that those gifts, right, have different administrations, ministrations, or we could say operations. So one spiritual gift can operate in multiple ways. When it comes to speaking in an unknown tongue, that's one gift that operates in at least three distinct ways. Okay? Think of a hammer. A hammer can drive a nail, a hammer can pull a nail, and a hammer can knock a hole in the wall You know, if you've got to try to find something behind the sheetrock. It's one hammer, but it's being used three different ways. Same with, uh, with unknown tongues. We see that uh, that spiritual gift can operate um, in the sense, and this is one of the more amazing and unique ways, where the, where the Holy Spirit gives you the ability to speak in a known language just not known to you. So let's say you don't know uh, uh, Mandarin, okay, <laughs> which is a very difficult language, um, but the Holy Spirit enables you to speak to someone who does know Mandarin, right, but doesn't know English, so that you can communicate to them. I've heard lots of amazing stories where that is still happening in the world today. The next use of the gift of the unknown tongues is of, un, of unknown tongues is the one that people are the most locked into. And this is when someone in a public worship service stands up and delivers a message in an unknown tongue. And the Bible says in that case, this is the Holy Spirit wanting to speak a message or a word to everyone present. And in that case, we need someone who also has a corresponding gift of, to interpret what was spoken, to stand up and say in English what brother or sister just said in an unknown tongue. Okay, So you'll often hear people say, we believe in speaking in tongues, but there's nobody in our church to interpret, so we don't practice it. Okay? That's also known as a cop-out. Right? <laughs> I shouldn't say that, but it, that's what it is, really, for a lot of folks. 
Amen or oh me. Praise God. All right. Now, the third, because I said there were three distinct uses for one gift, the third is what the Bible calls your prayer language, where you have the ability to pray in an unknown tongue. This operation of the Holy Spirit is an entry-level gift available to every born-again believer. The Bible not only teaches this, but if you read the book of Acts, you will see you will see that when people were baptized in the Holy Spirit, the initial evidence of that experience was that they spoke in an unknown tongue. We see with the Ephesian disciples, these were men who had been born again. And they asked them, have you received the Holy Spirit since you were saved? And they said, we've not heard anything about that. And they said, let us tell you about it. And they're like, bring it on, right? And so they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and they spoke in unknown tongues. Men who had already been born again, right? But had only been baptized in water. They had never been baptized in the Holy Spirit. So we could go on and on and on with this. You know, some of the questions that I've had over the years, something like this, do you, do you have to speak in tongues to go to heaven? Right? And that's like, do you have to take a jet airplane to California? Um, no, you don't have to take a jet airplane to California, but, but if you're trying to get to California in a hurry, why would you not want to take a jet airplane if it was, if it was available to you? Are you following what I'm saying? In other words, it's, it's not something you have to do. It's something that, that it's a distinct and amazing privilege that Father God has made available to us. Now, the Bible says, remember Sister Pam brought it up last week, that angels hearken to the voice of God's Word. Paul said that when we speak in an unknown tongue, we're speaking the language of angels. Though I speak with the tongues of men, those would be known languages among men, Spanish, English, Russian, what have you. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. Okay? So, we see that when we are speaking in an unknown tongue, um, we're not speaking jibber-jabber, okay? We are speaking a language that is of a heavenly origin. It is of a heavenly nature, okay? Now, for those of you who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and who speak and pray in tongues, at, or speak and pray in tongues on a regular basis, okay, then you know that that language does not come out of your head, it comes out of your belly. The Bible, Jesus said, out of, the, out of your innermost being will flow rivers. Out of your innermost belly will flow rivers of living water. He said that in conjunction with the Holy Spirit coming to live inside of you. So we see that it comes from your belly, not your brain. One of the things that, that I love to do, and I shared this with the class this morning, I told him I was praying for a brother. I didn't tell him I was praying in the Spirit, I don't think. Uh, I didn't want to freak him out, but... I was praying for a brother in the Spirit Sunday morning a week ago when I'm praying in the Spirit and the Holy Spirit says to my mind, because again, my mind is disengaged. This is not my mind forming uh, unknown words. This is the Holy Spirit giving me the utterance. It's my tongue, my lips speaking, but it's not my brain forming the words. Which means what I love to do is I love to pray in the Spirit and then meditate in my mind on the Word of God, on the Scriptures, right? And this is when the Holy Spirit really 
begins to speak to me. And so I'm, I, but I wasn't expecting this. I was praying for a brother in an, in an unknown tongue and the Holy Spirit, because earlier that morning I had been meditating on what it means to be permanently justified and what, and what it means to be saved to the uttermost. And so the Holy Spirit, I guess I kind of paused that. I went to class, worship service, all that. So I finally got still again, and the Holy Spirit says to me, um, uh, Jesus never called you His fiancé. I mean, it's like clear as bell. I don't mean audible, I mean in my spirit. So much so now, I keep praying in the Spirit for this guy, but in my mind, I'm, I'm like, do what? what? Where did that come from, right? Jesus never called you His fiancé. He called you His bride. He's not waiting to marry you. He's already married to you. He's already become one with you. And He's already put His seed in you. And I'm still, I never checked up. I'm still praying in tongues for my brother. Okay. Alright, now, see again, I know this is kind of bizarre for some of you. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. Yes. Absolutely, brother. Build yourself up on your most precious faith, holy faith. Praying in the Spirit. Paul said that he prayed in the Spirit and he prayed with the understanding also. He worshipped in the Spirit and he worshipped with the understanding also. So, in other words, you can pray in English, you can pray in tongues. You can worship in English, you can worship in tongues. Alright? Now, Romans chapter 8, verse 26. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. For we do not know what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Wow. Wow. So a few things here. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses. Jesus said that it was to our advantage that He goes away. Because if He doesn't leave, He will not be able to send the Holy Spirit. Think about what Jesus is saying. He was right there with those disciples 24 hours a day. And He told them that they were going to be in a more advantageous position for Him to leave them so that He could send the Holy Spirit to them. Alright? Now again, that doesn't sound right to us. We're like, okay Jesus, but I'll tell you what, I'll just, I'd rather just take you, okay? <laughs> but no, He said, to your advantage, that He goes away. Alright? And He referred to the Holy Spirit as our helper. A helper. He's here to help you. Now, here is one of the ways that He helps. This word in the New King James translated weaknesses. King James Version says infirmities. If you look it up, it's referring to an inability to get results. We need some results. I don't know if you've got some issues in your life tonight that you need some results in. 
You need some breakthrough. You need some provision. You need uh, healing. I, I don't know what the case is. All right, But again, some area in your life that not only you have a need in that area, but you have not been able up until now to get the results right that you need. So the Holy Spirit is coming to help you. He's coming to help me get the results that I need, that you need in your life. Notice, we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. So the connection here is, we're not getting the results that we need because we don't know how to pray the prayer that we should. So, without trying to take 20 minutes to explain, and even then we would just scratch the surface, I'm going to ask you tonight, I'm going to ask you tonight to just go ahead and accept that praying the prayer is necessary. Remember, we've talked about legal authority. We've talked about these things, okay? But again, it's not that Father doesn't want you to have it. He's waiting for you to say the magic words, right? But we're seeing that, that words, right, do what? They produce. They bring into, they form the substance of. But we don't know the words to speak. So we're not getting the results. So the Holy Spirit's going to help you. Aren't you thankful for the Holy Spirit? He's going to help you. Okay? And how's He going to do it? He's going to make intercession for us with groanings which cannot be expressed in articulate speech. In other words, He's talking about a, a groaning of our spirit that manifests itself in words that we don't really know or understand. But again, it's the Holy Spirit who's giving us the utterance, the, the, the syllables, if you will, of those words. Now look at this, verse 27. This is going to tie us into probably the last verse we look at tonight. But let's go with verse 27. Now he who searches the hearts, that's the Holy Spirit, knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So when you allow the Holy Spirit to pray through you, when you surrender your tongue to Him in a symbiotic cooperative effort, He's now praying through you in a language you don't know, a prayer that is in perfect alignment and agreement with the will of God for that particular situation. Because He knows and understands what you do not know and understand. Let me tell you why this is such a game changer. Okay, The Bible says in 1 John 5 that if we pray and ask anything according to God's will, we know that we have what we ask. And if we know that He hears us, we know that He hears us, and if we know that He hears us, we know that we have what we ask. So the Word of God obviously uh, reveals to us the will of God. But let's say you're a baby Christian, and you don't know that it's God's will for people to be healed. You don't know that it's God's will for every captive to be set free. You don't know that it's God's will for you to be blessed and have an abundant life. Okay? You don't know these things yet. The good news is the Holy Spirit does know these things. And you could take somebody who doesn't even know John 3.16 is in the Bible, get them full of the Holy Spirit, and they can pray a prayer that would be just as accurate and in alignment with the will of God as someone who has a Ph.D. in theology. 
Wow. First Corinthians chapter two. Absolutely, brother. Pray in the spirit. Over them, over situation in your life. Um absolutely. All right, thank you, Jesus. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. <clears throat> now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let's see here what. Let's begin. Let's begin at verse number 1. All right. I don't have these first verses to put on the screen, so amen. Verse 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and fear and in much trembling, and my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the Spirit of the man which is in him? If you'll notice in that verse 11, um, spirit is lowercase there. Let's see, I've done changed it on the screen and I haven't changed it here. All right. Spirit is um, spirit of the man. So this is talking about your human spirit. Okay? So you have to distinguish the difference there. And most of the time, it's distinguished with a capital S. All right? Capital S denoting the spirit of God, lowercase s denoting um, your spirit, human spirit. Okay, For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Alright, we've covered a lot of ground. Let's, praise God, let me, before we get too far into this, let's, let's go back here. Um, <clears throat> I went one too many back. Alright, now, Notice that Paul starts out talking about words and speaking. And he said that when he first came to them, he didn't come to them with the enticing words of man's wisdom, but in power and demonstration of the Spirit, so that their faith would not be 
in um, his ability to talk them into something, but that their faith would be in the very power of God itself. Right? But he's saying that doesn't mean we don't speak, okay? Because we do speak wisdom among those who are mature, but not the wisdom of this age. Not the traditional things, the popularly held religious opinions and ideology. He said that's not what we speak. We speak the wisdom of God in a mystery. Hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory. He's talking about His ability to explain the, the, um, the message of Jesus' uh, life, death, burial, resurrection, and return back to the right hand of His Father, ascension. He says, we do speak these things, and had the rulers of the age knew, they would have never laid a hand on Jesus. Right? Now, <clears throat> verse number 9, um, praise God, I keep going one too far. Verse number 9, and I want you to see this please, that's why I put it on the screen, I'm going to point it out. Eyes not seen, nor ear heard, nor entered into the heart of man, the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. Alright? But God has revealed them to us through His Spirit. See, in verse 9, he's quoting from the Old Testament. But Dorothy, we're not in Kansas anymore. Right? We, we now have the Spirit of God in us, and he says, in the same way that nobody knows you like you know you, nobody knows God like the Spirit of God knows God. Okay? And the Spirit of God who knows God like no one else is in you now. And notice he's revealing these things. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor entered in the heart of man the things which God has prepared, not will prepare. What He has prepared, what is already yours, ready and waiting, faith receives what grace is already given. Amen? But God is revealing these things to us, making these things known, making these things visible to us through His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man, except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received, notice the tense here, not will receive, have received. Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Again, I'm trying to stir you up tonight. Let me get me a drink of water. Praise God. You still in faith with me? All right. <clears throat> so we'll talk about that in our next section. Um, the Greek word is pneuma. Okay. It's, 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 pneuma is, in, in the Greek, there's no capitalization. So the only way to, to know is context. And sometimes the context uh, isn't clear. Okay. All those spirits are pneuma, and in the Greek they would all be lowercase p-n-e-u-m-a, transliteration. So again, we'll, it's a great question, but we'll answer it in greater detail in the days ahead. All right. So, <clears throat> verse 12 is one of my favorite verses. Verse 12 is saying that you've been given things that you don't know are yours. 
you have received, not the spirit of the world, but the spirit is from God. So let's take, obviously he's clarifying, not the spirit of the world, and that's important, but if you, if you understand that, he's saying, we have received the spirit who is from God. We have received, not the spirit of the world, we have received the spirit who is from God. And we have to receive the Spirit who is from God so that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. Trying to get you stirred up tonight. You've been given things that you don't know are yours. You've been given things that your eyes have never seen, your ears have never heard, and it's never entered into the wildest imaginations of your heart what belongs to you right now. What has been given to you right now? Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Things that are so grand, it requires the Holy Spirit of God Himself to help you see and know these things. And, and even how about this? How about this? He said to His disciples, there are still so many things I have to tell you, but you can't bear them now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, right, He's going to show you. He's going to help you. Yes, sister. Amen. I, I can give you clarification on that, sister. Can you hold on just one second? Let me finish this. And it's, well, let's just, amen. Don't forget where we are. We're building something here, okay? Um, the Bible says, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. How do we receive Jesus? We receive Jesus by believing in our heart and confessing with our mouths. Amen? And so you receive healing the same way. You receive deliverance the same way. You receive financial resources the same way. And you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit the same way. You believe in your heart. You confess with your mouth. Amen? And so, again, I know, I know that sounds like way simple, but it really is. And so, as you, as you begin to yield yourself to the Holy Spirit, um, I try not to talk about, you know, a an individual experience because not everybody's experience is the same, okay? But most people begin to feel pressure in their abdomen. Um, I have actually seen people that, not in, a, not in an unpleasant way, not nauseated, but literally, they had like almost a gag reflex. There was such pressure. Because remember, Jesus said He would be like a river flowing out of your belly, out of you. And so when you yield your tongue to Him, that, that comes forth from you, and sometimes it comes forth with force. Amen. Again, not everybody's experience is the same. Um, when my brother was baptized in the Holy Spirit, he began to speak in tongues. It was around 10, 30, or 11 o'clock that night. He prayed in tongues. He sang in tongues. He prayed some more in tongues. He prophesied in tongues till daylight the next morning, okay? Now, see, 
if you understand that the words that come out of your mouth chart the life that your cor- that chart the course your life follows, the Holy Spirit knows the plan of God for your life. If the if the words have to be spoken for the course to be taken, then we need the Holy Spirit to speak. That's why Paul said he prayed in tongues more than a large church full of people who were almost out of control praying in tongues. I believe Paul prayed in tongues almost every waking minute that he wasn't in front of somebody teaching and preaching. Amen. Amen. Right. So, if, if we would lose the religiousized, um, dramatized, uh, you know, again, I'm, I'm not trying to downplay that. I've been slain in the Spirit. I've, I've had His power over me so, so strongly that I couldn't stand all of that, right? But if we could just kind of take a step back and realize that we're, we're simply activating by faith something that's already ours and, and, and just begin to step out. Some of you tonight will hear reports of it next week. You get home tonight. You get quiet, maybe in your bedroom, wherever you pray. Ask the Lord. Jesus is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Ask Him, Jesus, if this is for me and it's from You, I want everything that You have for me. I yield my... It, you see, in other words, it's, just that, it's that simple. And ask Him, baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And then there's going to come a point, though, when you're going to have to shut off the English and yield to the tongues. And it's going to be awkward at first. I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's going to feel weird and strange at first. But again, I'm not trying to compare everybody's experience to one another. But if you'll, if you'll persist in that, it'll eventually become like a dam breaking um, in you as, as that rush of, of God's Spirit comes up out of your innermost being. Yes? <laughs> well, it's, it's, that's exactly right because we, we have that tendency to want to maintain control, right? And, and yielding control, again, Jesus take the wheel, right? It's not just yielding control of our hand, you know, it's yielding control of the rudder um, of our lives, right? Amen. Now, <clears throat> praise God. So, he says we have received the spirit of the world, not the spirit of the world, excuse me, now we have received not the spirit of the world, the spirit is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. All right? Next verse. These things we also speak. All right? These things we also speak. What things do we also speak? These things we also speak, the things that we don't know are ours, but have been given to us freely by God. Okay? Because remember, it's got to be spoken. How do do you speak something that belongs to you that you don't know is yours. You have to yield to somebody who does know and let him do the speaking. Are you seeing this? Alright? So again, I'm going to back up and make another run at it. Let's go all the way back because this ties all the way back into verse 9. Eyes not seen, ears not heard, nor is it entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love Him. But God's revealed them to us through His Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, just the deep things of God. What man knows the things of a man, except the Spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God, 
except the Spirit of God. Things, remember things? Good man from the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, right? Now we have received, not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit is from God, that we might know the things that have been freely given to us by God. And by the way, these things that we don't know are ours, we also speak. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Alright? So I'm trying to walk you through this real slow, like, real easy, like, you know what they say, like a Philadelphia lawyer. I'm just trying to put it all out there for you. Alright? These things, that's a Bill Winston line, by the way, if you've ever heard him preach. Praise God. A little shout out to our brother. These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches. So he says, I speak these things also, but not with words that I learned from any human being. I speak these things that are mine out of my mouth, but I don't use Greek words or Hebrew words or Spanish words or English words. Not any words that I learned from another person. But I speak these things in words which the Holy Spirit teaches me. Which the Holy Spirit gives me. Amen? Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now I've taught these verses for years. And that last phrase for many years... I would always teach on it and say something about it and comment on it, but I would always have that gnawing sense that I, I still don't know what that really means. And I'm not saying that I understand it all tonight, but some years ago, the Holy Spirit prompted me to do a deep dive study on that word comparing. Comparing. And it turns out that this word comparing would be more accurately translated composing. The word literally means composing. So let's put that word in and we'll build a little more. These things we also speak not in words that we learn from any man, but in words that the Holy Spirit teaches us, composing spiritual things with spiritual. Composing spiritual things with spiritual. Composing spiritual things with spiritual what? Composing spiritual things with spiritual words. Because the words that the Holy Spirit teaches are not physical words, they are spirit words. Spirit words composing spiritual things. A good man or a woman from the good deposit in our hearts. The good deposit that's in you and me is nothing less than the kingdom of heaven itself inside of you. Someone well trained in the kingdom has the ability 
to put his or her hand on anything anybody needs anytime they need it. But how do we make that transaction? How do we bring something from our spirit out of us and make it something tangible for someone in our lives to enjoy or for us to enjoy? We compose it. Compose means to form the substance of. He is saying that we take words taught to us by the Holy Spirit and by speaking those words we form the substance of things with spiritual words, right? Bringing those things from the deposit inside of us and manifesting them in our life realities. You see why the devil has fought so hard to keep men and women from understanding the baptism of the Holy Spirit, from receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And then those, I'll never forget, I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. Maybe at some point I'll tell you the whole story. I was baptized in the Holy Spirit when I was 12 years old. Three weeks later, two weeks later, I don't know, sometime later, the, the, the gentleman that prayed with me that night, he said, you've been praying in tongues every day. I looked at him like he was crazy. I thought it was an, what's the religious word, an epiphany? Yes, brother. There you go, brother. It's, it's all in that family. It's all in that family. Thank you for that. All, all those, that, that family of definitions, right? And, and when they came, when they translated to compare, I'm like, man, what in the world, you know? But, but the idea is, he, is he's talking about, you know, the... The, the thing that's produced being, being connected to the words that produced it. That's the comparison, right? But again, this, this connection, comparing, can only be made by the Holy Spirit. But again, he's talking about, he's talking about an action, not an after-the-fact looking at it, right? That's where the comparing comes in. Is you know, Somebody says, man, where did that come from? It came from the Spirit. How did it come from the Spirit? With using Spirit words. You see, that's, that's the, uh, the comparing versus the composing. Alright? Amen. So he asked me, he said, have you been praying in the Spirit every day? And I looked at him because I thought it was an epiphany. I thought it was a one-time thing. I thought it was like my salvation. You get saved and you go to heaven one day when you die and you just kind of twiddle your thumbs and do whatever God wants till the end, you know. And so he, he asked me, have you been praying in the Spirit every day? And I'm like, I didn't, I didn't know it was a thing. I didn't know, right? So even people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and have spoken in the tongues in the past, the enemy fights you very, very uh, strongly, resists you very, very strongly um, you know, from, from participating in that and using that uh, prayer language, if you will, um, on a daily basis. But if you're interested in praying a prayer in agreement with God for His will for your life, if you're interested in speaking your future, remember He said the Holy Spirit would show you things to come. If you're interested in tapping into the kingdom that's inside of you and bringing forth things in your life for you to enjoy and other people to enjoy, the Holy Spirit and speaking in unknown tongues is one of the key ways that we do that. We form the substance of spiritual things with spiritual words. Amen? I think we'll stop right there. Amen.
I'm sensitive when I see a hand go up. I think, no, I'm just kidding, sister. Some of you stretching, trying to get yourself sitting there for a long time. You get anything out of this? You got a question? Bring it on. Well, sometimes the Holy Spirit will show you, and sometimes He doesn't, right? But remember, and, and Cecil brought it up a moment ago, the Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we build ourselves up in faith. So the idea is that I'm praying in an unknown tongue, and in a situation when I'm praying in an unknown tongue, and I don't know what I'm praying about, notice not only is it like Brother was saying, I'm relinquishing control, but now I'm, I'm in a position to where, I, for me, and I, I'm not asking you to compare yourself to me. The Bible says don't do that. But for me, it's easier for me to pray in faith when I pray in tongues. Right? Um, that doesn't mean we should never pray in, in, in English or if you speak Spanish, whatever. That, but Because again, that's a, a critical thing for us to do and grow up into as well. But when I'm praying in an unknown tongue, I mean, there are times that I'll you know, interject in English especially if the enemy start trying to attack my mind and say, you know, you just jibber-jabbering in the space, right? I'll insert into English, I believe I've already received, according to Mark eleven twenty four, and then just go right back, right? So, um, again, if we pray according to His will, we know He hears us, and if we know He hears us, we know we have whatever we ask. So, praying in the unknown, so trust Him, right? So praying in an unknown tongue is a guarantee of praying in agreement with His will, which is a guarantee that He hears us, which is a guarantee that we have whatever we ask. So that's where, if that helps you. Amen. Amen, amen. Some of you look a little shell-shocked. Are you okay? I told you we was going next level tonight. All right, let me pray for you. Father, thank you for the things that you're teaching us. Thank you for the things that you're helping us lay hold of. Father, I thank you tonight that this is not uh, pushing anybody away, but it's drawing people in. Father, um, I thank you that, that we are, are unashamedly uh, Pentecostal, Spirit-filled believers, Father. Um, we, don't, we don't try to hide that or, 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 or put that away in a closet. Father, we, we are upfront about it and we want people to know it because, Father, it's, it's such an important thing that, that Jesus came to do in our lives. And so I pray that you would help us tonight, Lord, lay hold of these things, those that this is new teaching and, and, and a whole new uh, you know, world even, Father, for them that they've heard tonight. I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're right there alongside them, teaching them and, and loving them and drawing them into you and to, and to your highest and best for their lives. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, one last thing. According to the greatest prophet born of a woman... John the Baptist, Jesus came to do two things for you. He came to take away your sin, and He came to baptize you in the Holy Ghost. This was so important that Jesus never baptized a single person in water. His disciples baptized in water. He never baptized a single person in water because He didn't. Again, He was, he was Father instructed Him to set Himself apart as one who only baptizes in the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if He's taken away your sins... He did that so that you would qualify to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. Amen? Amen. All right, you're loved. Praise God.